Hello, and welcome back to Hold On I'm Talking Brother. My name is Joe Greenwood, and you are listening to our preview of UFC 284, Makachev versus Volkanovski for the lightweight title, with a co-main event of Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett for the interim featherweight title. The winners face Volkanovski later in the year due to Volkanovski challenging for the lightweight title. Live from Perth, Australia. First time in a few years the UFC have come back to Australia with a national hero in Volkanovski. Tom, we touched on it before. This has been a relatively underpromoted card for what is at stake. Do you think that we're really going to get a, a handle of this before the fight actually happens? Or is it going to have to be when they get in there, we're going to understand what we're about to see? Number one versus number two, pound for pound. I think the true fight fans out there um, don't need that promo. They know what Volkanovski is taking on here. He's taking on Makachev, Joe, mm. a man who's conquered all comers, uh, or almost all comers, apart from Adriano Martins. Shout out to that <laughs> man wherever he is now. Ledge. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so come to one freak knockout very early in his UFC career, back in 2015. But since then, guy, since then, Joe, he's been uh, he's been smushing, he's been smashing, smashing and indeed. He, here he is. I mean, he's top of the top of the roster at lightweight. Mm. Can't see many contenders for him there. So a huge ask for Volkanovski to go and take him on. Absolutely. Now, listeners, we're going to go straight into this card in a moment. But Tom said he had some breaking news for me that he wants to drop right now at the start of the show. Tom, what have you got for me? Joe, sometimes things come up in this life that they're just, they're too big to be ignored. Right. And today we have one of those days. Yeah. Kevin Lee is back. <laughs> He's back. He's re-signed with the UFC. And we're finally going to see where he fits into all this. <laughs> uh, you, you really got my heart racing before saying don't lose up because I had that on the rundown ready to go. So thank you, Tom, for... Uh... For dropping that on us. All right, let's get on with it. Let's get into it. We'll get to Kevin Lee later. Enough of that. Let's get to the good stuff. All right, listeners. Me and Tom are about to break down the main card. We'll uh, predict, make predictions for each of the five fights. We'll be picking a winner for each fight. And if we get that correct, that's one point. And if we get the method as well, that's two points. Ten points on offer. And surprise, surprise, listeners, I am the reigning champion. I thought I'd wild out, go crazy, Jamahal Hill to beat Glover Teixeira. You're a fool, Joe. How dare you? And then look what happened. Look at you now. Top of the hill. Huh? Yeah. Anyway, we will go into this list starting with the main event of Alexander Volkanovsky versus Islam Makachev for the lightweight title. A big ass. And, of course, pound for pound. King. Yes, I mean, are we are we unanimous in agreeing that these are number one and two right now? Are there any Ooh. contenders out there? Uh, Leon would be the other one for me. I'd have him. At, nah. I'd have him at maybe number two or three. No, nah, no, nah, he's not. He's not. He's not in the conversation for pound for pound for me, Joe. Okay. Let me bat that. Let me bat that away. Hold on, but hold on. When Makachev fought Oliveira for the title, a lot of people were like he's not really beat anyone. He needs to get another win, and then suddenly he beats him. And was like, oh well, this guy's. The greatest fight who's ever lived. Like, come it's on. It's true. There has been a step change in the narrative. I mean, that speaks to how quickly he put away Charles Oliveira. Let's remember, you know, second round stoppage, mm. submitted the jiu-jitsu master in quick, quick fashion. I mean, once that sequence began, it ended very fast. Yes. Uh, Oliveira kind of 
succumb to that arm triangle choke extremely quickly. And I think you just, for most of us out there, we were looking at that and saying, okay, this this is something else. If Charles yeah. is, is, is folding so fast, Makachev really must be something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We'll get to Makachev in a moment. But really the story is Volkanovsky of this fight because despite what people may think, this is the first time the UFC have had pound for pound one and two going at it. Uh, I think the closest they had before was Jones and DC, and I believe Jones was number six in pound for pound when he fought DC the second time. So, in terms of closeness of pound for pound, this is the first time we've had it. Depends on how much value you give that. I mean, it's been very fluid in the last year or so, considering uh, the results in certain title fights. But the X's and O's are really quite incredible. Volkanovski, in terms of style and style matchup here, he's got a lot to overcome here. Not just the style of Makachev, which is all-consuming of guys at lightweight, but he's got the physical disadvantage, reach disadvantage, weight disadvantage. Well, one one shocking thing here, Joe, is it's natural to assume that Volkanovski is at a disadvantage for, for all of those things. And, of course, he is, apart from his reach. Okay. Actually, has the superior reach over Makachev. Oh, really? By how much? It's one been been quite. Uh, it's just just an inch, seventy one mm. and a half inches, on a five foot six uh, individual, as Jorge Masvidal might might say. That's <laughs> uh, quite something, and I think that's been a bit of a key weapon for him um, down at featherweight. Mm. Is actually you know surprising guys, and that's helped him to measure that distance, helped him to have that timing, yeah. helped him to with on top of his speed to to punish people without necessarily need to go in in and box from the pocket. Mm. Um, now against Makachev, the height I think is is another key element, mm. but Holloway, a man of, of similar proportions, so then you come down to the size, mm. the, the true size of Makachev, and when you square these guys up, Joe. It's very apparent they're from different different weight classes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, it is a, a big challenge that's going to be coming from here. But I then wonder then if... Is Volkanovski then going to fall into the category of some of these guys that move up in weight by those 10 pounds, by just virtue of having that, of not doing the weight cut, that they will have more power, more oomph in their shots from there? Because really, at, at featherweight, Volkanovski wins by, you know, death by a thousand cuts rather than one big hammering blow um, is that going to have the same ap- impact on Makachev I also do wonder if Volkanovski is going to have the same striking plan as he does against guys at featherweight what would we expect to see from Volkanovski typically in a, in a featherweight matchup uh, low car kick inside outside both stances switching stances so you just choose up your lead leg as much as he can um, and then a lot of fainting heavy fainting from there, all elements being fainted, and he really commits to him, particularly in that second Holloway fight when he was two rounds down. That was so impressive in that fight, that third round where he came out and he was so heavy on the feints and was so committed to his game plan that he almost like doubled down on it. And then just intercepting, catching you in the in-between movements of just like that moment where you throw a jab and you come back and you're going to throw another shot, he'll get you in that sort of moment in between, the sort of split timing. Yeah, so. we've we've mentioned this about Volkanovski before. He really upsets that kind of one-two rhythm that mm. fighters like to like to um, kind of f- fight from, and, and it, he'll be really mixing in his his timing, mm. um, really upset the rhythm of the opponent. 
Uh, again, he's stiff, stiff jab. Mm. He's in and out. Uh, measures the distance very well, and because of those jabs, that helps him to establish his his timing. Mm. I feel that Volkanovski also. You mentioned the leg kick, but when it comes to the hands, he's a bit of a headhunter for me. Yeah, he, he, he likes to box you up. Yeah, yeah. You get you get you kind of come out the other side. Like, I mean, the the Korean zombie fight in particular, where Zombie just looked absolutely mauled by him. And the Holloway fight, the third one as well, where Holloway by the end of it. I know Holloway does kind of show markup a bit more than most others, as does Brian Ortega, but you still have to land those shots to get there. I wonder if he's going to be so... if he's going to be as much of a headhunter. I mean... Well, go on, Tom. Well, well yeah, yeah, I got animated there because what I wanted to say was uh, I, I hope he's not. Yes. I hope he's not going to do that because Makachev... Uh, we should talk about his stand-up a little bit. Of course, a little bit underrated yes. um, by some. You know, they see him as a pure pure wrestler. Of course, he does have weapons on the feet. He's got a clubbing right hand that comes out and catches people. Well, the, Charles Oliveira. the Charles Oliveira fight was quite a, an excellent um, example of his striking in that he only really threw the same combo over and over again, which was, you know, a left-straight-right hook, 2-3 combo, and he just caught Charles intercepting him with that, counter-striking with that, and leading with that as well. Like, that was his main combination, and he'd scouted Oliveira for that, and his timing was spot on from minute one. Um, I do think that Oliveira's striking is maybe not as um, advanced as Volkanovski's as well, so I think sitting on one game plan against Volkanovski in a pure striking battle is not a great idea for Makachev, but I don't believe we, he, he's going to be going for a pure striking battle against him. No, well, we'll certainly be talking about that in a moment. Uh, the aspect of Makachev's stand-up that I wanted to pick out was um, he's a very defensively orientated striker. Yes. And what I mean is he's, he's pulling back back the hands. He's got a very high guard. Yeah. He remembers that Adriano Martes. <laughs> Let me tell you, I've drawn attention to it before. He went on to prove me uh, totally wrong in that that's an issue and that weighs on him in some way. But I would say he's very cautious, very careful, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to men who are coming out there to take his head off. Okay, that's smart. Mm. Usually that means there's going to be some openings, especially to the body. Mm. And so I really hope that Volkanovski will, especially as the shorter man, be ready to step in there and, and work that body of Makachev. I think he could do some damage there. That is exactly what I was thinking as well. I've, the body jab. Like, that is going to be major, I think. I think he should commit to that early round one. You know, um, any clinch situation as well that comes from the body shots, he can then immediately post off from there. It will maybe leave you open for an uppercut, but I don't know if Makachev's going to have that sort of striking credentials from there, unless he has scouted for this and is prepared for these body shots. Um, yeah, I, I, I... I'd just say, I think Volkanovski would love to see Makachev throw in uppercuts. Yes, I think he could counter in in the moment. I think he would adapt very quickly, and that would open up then then some some hooks going around the top. Yeah, yeah. And and I think Volkanovski would relish that. The problem is, is he going to get the chance to do that? Is he going to get the chance to adapt mm. to Makachev's what? weaknesses on the feet? That's the thing is that you have to factor in that what Makachev is so strong at, and I think the body work is what Volkanovski should invest in early. Because if you can drain him of his of his gas tank, Makachev, like early on, and if you can commit to the low leg kicks, honestly, Volkanovski should not throw any body kicks whatsoever. 
if, if you, the risk is too high. It's, it's a risk because if you throw like a kick up the middle directly, the only way he can grab it is if he like takes his hand and grabs you by the heel. But if you throw that sort of like side kick to the torso, get that overhook onto the leg from there. That's a much stronger grip. So if you are going to throw it to the body, it needs to be sort of like a teep up the middle. And then I don't know if Volkanovski's sort of leg range will allow for that. Um, but yeah, and then also we have to factor in the grappling. I know this sounds really simple and stupid, what I'm about to say, but I feel like Volkanovski is going to have to accept he's going to get taken down. It's just where is he going to get taken down? And I think his game plan when it comes to that should be quite simple. Stay off the fence. Keep away off the fence. If he comes in and blitzes you to get you to the fence, circle off in there. Literally run if it comes down to it. Like Circle until you're like, no, 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 I'm going to engage when I'm ready. Like Overeem versus Miocic. You know, like, people mocked him for that, but, like, he almost won the fight because of that. Miocic came charging in and Overeem cracked him, almost fear, finished him, felt the tap, according to Overeem, and then... <laughs> infamous. Brother, inf- infamous, brother. indeed. Um, but, I I mean, I'm presuming you think that Makachev is going to be taking Volkanovski down fairly early in this fight, or at least attempting to? I'd be shocked if he's not attempting to. Uh, the big question is how much success is he going to have uh, a lot of emphasis given on when, when looking into Volkanovski's camp uh, in the build-up to the fight. Yes, they've got specialists in there training him for each stage. The early takedown defense, and okay, then the crisis scenario. Mm. What happens? Makachev's on top of you. How do you get out? How do you ra- react mm. to these situations? Um, so we know he knows what to expect. I mean, he's got he, he's got Craig Jones in his camp, which is about as good as it gets in terms of grappling expertise. Um, Jones has even gone so far to shave his beard in the Dagestani style to really emphasise <laughs> the experience. Love that. Yes. Go on, Tom. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I mean, Craig Jones, you said it. He's there. He's given Volkanovski all the pointers he needs. There's plenty of tape out there on Makachev. Unfortunately, the tape you don't find in all that, Joe, is men having much success well, in, in getting back up once they've been taken down. The only guys that have really got up um, from uh, those positions are Charles Oliveira a little bit in the first fight well in the first round he did he did he created a leg entanglement from there and then created a bridge to then get space to then get his chest to Makachev's back to then get up and then the famous one that everyone brings up is um, current Bellator lightweight Mansour Barnoui, who fought Makachev in M1. And the thing that Barnoui used was a, was a giggler sweep, which is where if uh, you're on back in half guard, let's, let's say Makachev is on top of Volkanovski in half guard, Volkanovski would then wrap his legs, grapevine his legs, against uh, the leg that's in half guard. And then he would sort of elevate his, his knees and hips to create space from there and to then get his feet in there to then push off from there. And then Barnoui did that to the point where he flipped Makachev and got on top of him from that position. Sarukin used a similar tact as well in his debut in the UFC where he faced Makachev. So there are examples of this. This also does rely on the fact that Makachev is not aware of this and hasn't come up with a game plan to counter that. I mean, Sarukin had a very active defense. It was just constant scramble and wrestling exchanges. And of course, Volkanovski would like to replicate that I think that's going to be a big ask. Let me just tell oh. you for Alexander Volkanovsky. Yeah. But what I want to do, just before I say anything else, Joe, 
the dedication shown on this podcast. <laughs> We're talking about Mansour Baonui back in 2013, M1 Challenge 38. Yeah, you've been watching that fight in preparation. That I, is amazing. I've seen. I saw that fight a few years ago because people made reference to it. I'm like, what is this? Because you know, it's the Adriano Martins fight where Makachev blitzed in in a way that he's never oh, done cool. since then. Yeah. And then it's like I saw references Barnui fight. Yeah, I saw a reference to that Barnui fight. So I went and sorted it out. And Barnui, I got to say, he is sick. He is sick. He is in the Bellator lightweight Grand Prix, where the current champion is Umar Nurmagomedov. And they are on opposite sides of the brackets. They could face each other in the final. Hell yes. Anyway, Tom, should we just... Oh, go on. Is there anything else about this fight you wanted to talk about? Well, you know, we've expressed many, many possible scenarios already here, Joe. Um, it's it's too big to ignore for me, the, um, mm. the reality of the fight. I'm conjuring a narrative that I would like to believe in, but I don't really. <laughs> it's half-hearted. It's performative. Because I think that Makachev is going to win this fight. And I think he's going to put Volkanovski in a place that Volkanovski's not been before. Ooh. And Volkanovski's been in a lot of places. Yeah. He's shown incredible grit, resilience, toughness. Shown an amazing tank. Okay. But I think Makachev will wear him on him in a way that will see Volkanovski fade... Yeah, I would say that's a contra- controversial opinion given what we've seen from Volkanovski. Certainly not a man who looked like he was fading any time soon in his recent fights. Mm. Um, I've picked Makachev to win this fight by submission. Um, okay, fair enough. Um, I think it's it's interesting because people have cited certain examples of showing Volkanovski's grit, and the most famous one being the Ortega fight where Ortega got that mental guillotine. I mean. Not percentage. How many fighters in the world would have gotten out of that position? Three, at most. Two. Yeah, I mean, it's shock. It's shocking that he survived that. Yeah. Shocking. Shocking. Yeah. Like the grit. I mean, the only other time I've seen something like that in recent memory was when Prahashka faced Teixeira, and Teixeira had that head and arm choke, and Prahashka's like, "I'm not tapping. I'm not going to tap." Like, and he did the sort of talking on the phone to create the distance in that head and arm choke thing just toughed it out and that was what Volkanovski did I just think that if Makachev is sensible and he is very sensible he will take the game plan Khabib had against Connor. I'm going to just wrestle you that first round I'm going to tie you out get a feel of you and then I'm just going to pick it up over time I have picked Islam Makachev by submission I'm seeing maybe round three RNC you know, and I can see Volk fighting. Maybe even he goes out. I mean, do you think Volk would be the sort of guy to just go out? Yeah, I mean, everything everything points to that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess a big aspect of it for me as well. I just, I just think it's going to wear on him to a point where every man has, every man will crack. Yeah, you know, and Volkanovski, when he's shown this incredible resilience in the past, he's still had a lot to give. They've been in times when he's yeah. really been winning the fight, or he's been very close to mm. it. You know, he's not been tired, he's not been hurt badly, he's not been dominated for three rounds. Uh, I'm not saying that I think Makachev will dominate him mm. early, early going. Uh, I just think when the time comes later on, that submission is going to be there. I agree. There was a debate I saw online about Volkanovski, Tom, and it's just about him as a personality and like, you know, whether he's a promotable guy or whatnot. And I saw some people debate whether he's charismatic or not. 
I, I think he's incredibly charismatic. Like, in terms of, like, just a absolutely honest, straight-up sort of guy that I think is quite relatable. Um, like, when people talk about someone being charismatic, they immediately think Chael Sonnen, Conor McGregor, uber characters. But... I think Volkanovski is a charismatic dude, don't, don't you I think? Th- I think he's a. I think Volkanovski is a mood. Joe. I think he's. It's <laughs> a way of life. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's, just, he's just he's the working man. Yes, yeah. salt of the earth. What you see is what you get. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I like I like him a lot. Yeah. I like him a lot. I'd love to see him win this fight. Yeah, same. I think it'd be love madness. to see. I think that would be incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about the co-main event now, Tom. Interim featherweight title to set up Volkanovski's uh, next contender. Josh Emmett versus Yair Rodriguez. Uh, two guys at different points in their career. Emmett coming towards the end. This is the last run, sort of getting to this sort of position. has come back from adversity, whereas Rodriguez, moderate flash in the pan at times, incredible highs with some quite brutal lows uh, as well. Um... It's bit, this is a fight that's being slept on, I think. This is not being talked about because of the main event. But this could be a potential five-star, on the Dave Meltzer scale, cracker of a fight. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I presume, just thinking about it, your loins are burning, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely or, being or slept on this fight. Well... <sighs> It, it should be. You, you are talking about legitimate contenders, or at least that's how it looks on, on paper. Uh, but then you scrutinize that paper a little bit, and of course you have Emmett winning a slightly shifty decision over Cater yeah. last time out. That was back in June. Uh, before that, it was Dan Ige, and uh, I believe then it was coming back off the long layoff, having blown his knees out, trying to fight Shane Burgos, and coming out with a win. Huge yeah. credit for that. Um, By the way, remember that fight was... The co-main to Poirier versus Hooker. Can you imagine getting that? Those two back to back. Mwah! Brilliant. Anyway, great, great memories. Great memories. And then Rodriguez got to shine a little light on him. I mean, he's here because Brian Ortega got injured yeah. during their fight. Yeah. Um, last fight time before that, he lost to Max Holloway. Yeah, where he got out wrestled by Max Holloway. Well, but we should qualify that as well, though. Max Holloway actually had to go to that wrestling. Yes. Rodriguez was hurting him on the feet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's interesting though that got to he, underline that. Yeah, but he was getting taken down by a guy who was not a wrestler, and Josh Emmett is, it, a, wrestler. is a wrestler. He is a wrestler. He is that ham and egger who is going to take you to the outback and grind you into the ground. Like he is, he has got that. He just loves swanging and banging though. Like he just loves getting into a scrap. Boy loves those hands, Joe. He does. He does. I mean, if Jeff Neal didn't have the nickname Hands of Steel, it would be Josh Emmett, who has got lights out, knockout power. I mean, the Michael Johnson one being the one I think about the most, where he went stiff as a board. Mursad Bektik as well, that knockout. It's quite quite brutal. Um, but yeah, Emmett is sort of like emptying the jug in terms of his career, of like he's giving it this push to the end. Like, I've got to give this as, as much of a go as I can. Um... And I, th- I mean, I'm just putting this out there right now. I think that Emmett is a at points a terrible matchup for Rodriguez. I just wanted, I just wonder, can Rodriguez and his kicking game create that distance on Emmett? Like, how long can he keep that kicking game up for to keep Emmett away from him? Because you know, Rodriguez very flashy 
kicks and all that, but he's not doesn't really knock people out with them. It's it's a little bit, you know, it's like those Instagram footballers, you know, it's just like look at his techers and skills and then it's just like, you know, two goals in two seasons. Like it's like, come on, lad, like you're not really doing much, are you? Well, I think Andre Feely might have something to say about uh <laughs> <laughs> doubting yeah, yeah, Jack right, Rodriguez's knockouts. I mean, he's on that highlight real time and again. Uh, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Recently, um, he's just not been that active. No, uh, but he does have his kicks are special. He he, they are Edson Barboza up and down fast. He, yeah. he kicks hard, Joe. He kicks from all angles. He is a very creative fighter. Um, he's just had a bit of an odd odd time of it. Yeah, uh, of of late. Um, certainly a huge element is is whether he'll be able to create distance from Emmett but also you know what what's Emmett going to try what kind of games he going to try and implement is he going to bite down on his mouthpiece once he starts getting hit by Rodriguez is yes. he going to work it to the map yeah it, he is right okay so what about if he's getting hurt badly then he'll he's got to go for a takedown like I, there's, there's and does pro- he still have it having been hurt badly I mean does he still have it in terms of having his knees blown out like that's this is that's another this, point like that's that's what I'm kind of thinking Joe miles mm. miles on the clock for Emmett um, and Yaya Rodriguez is, is young in this game, and, and he's not—he's not fought a whole lot. Just thirty years of age now. Yeah, but what he has fought has been weird. It's been very weird. It's been weird. The Holloway fight was weird. The Ortega fight was weird. The Jeremy Stevens fight was weird. Like he was well, he, z- zombie. Was zombie was he was getting cr- he, got, he got craziest finish ever. In, yeah, ever lost the entire fight, and in the very last second of a round that he had clearly lost, like zombie obliged him in charging him down and walked into this crazy up elbow that no one saw like it looked like a zombie had been assassinated from the rafters like like a shooter had taken him out i just i i, I there's a little thing with me with with rodriguez is that he's a bit of a, like you know you order the fajitas at the restaurant all sizzle just not enough substance do you know what i mean he's anthony from man united <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I hear what you said, Joe, and I can't, I can't deny it. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not picking my boy, yeah, yeah, Rodriguez. Oh well, I'm, I'm picking, picking the, I'm picking, Re- I'm picking Emmett. So go on, go with, go for it. Uh, all right, all right, I'm there for it. Uh, look, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to style on Emmett. Really? I think he's going to knock Josh Emmett out. Nonsense, Josh Emmett by decision. Hellacious, hellacious fashion. No, I think he's, I think he's going to work him. I think he's going to hurt him. No. I think he's going to fight off those takedowns. I think he's going to get up. Uh, he, he didn't show a lack of competency for me in the Holloway fight. Um, and yeah, I, I just really think that he will be able to take Emmett apart on the feet. I disagree. I think Yair, he's, these two, by the way, tough as old shoe leather, these two. like They can take a shot. Um, I think they're going to oblige each other on the feet. And I think in terms of the hands, I think Emmett is much more uh, has much more damage from there. It's the ki- it is it is it is. I'm sorry, mate. He he does he does. I'm sorry, Joe. How how many big right hands did or big left hands should I say? Did Emmett actually land on Calvin Cater last time out? He landed quite f- he landed shots? he landed quite a few. I'm sorry, man. But Cater's got legendary chin. He has got and Burgos as well. And he knocked Burgos down twice in that fight. And Burgos is a beast. Okay, we love Shane Burgos. He's Tremendous, tremendous fighter. I, I'm sorry. I, I just I can really do think Emmett just carries such power. My 
issue is the age and the injuries of like is he going to have the speed to get the power there like is he going to be able to time Rodriguez if not he has to go to the wrestling I think he should even if it's not like his whole game plan he should throw that in there to open up the shots up top I mean I just don't think of course if it's going to be a wrestling matchup you have to look at that beat down that Rodriguez caught off Frankie Edgar back in 2017 yeah all time beat down. I thought I'd never see him again. <laughs> it was Dan Hooker absolute... versus Claudio Puelles is the only yes. thing that comes close. Yeah, but, well, yeah. but well, worse. Yeah, worse. worse yeah. Yes, worse because like you know, uh, not suitable for work. But if you Google that fight, you're going to see a brutal eye injury mm. uh, to Rodriguez. He was a very young fighter at the time. He had been that flashy, exciting guy, and he ran into Frankie Edgar, who took him down. Uh, got in, postured up above him and just wailed on the poor kid for, for two rounds before it was called off yep. for humanitarian reasons. I just, I think, I think Rodriguez has evolved since then. I, I, I really do. I'm sorry, I man. I've, 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 I've drank the Kool-Aid. I'm in with the story. Give me Josh Emmett, old man Josh Emmett getting the title shot. UFC want Rodriguez. Like, they want Rodriguez in that title fight. And I actually think that if Volkanovski says, I want my title fight now, and Emmett says, oh, I'm not ready, oh, yeah, yeah, you're in. Like, it could, I reckon it could be some bull like that. That would be but, disgusting. Arnold Allen should be there. Arnold Allen will be there. Anyway, let's move on to Randy Brown versus Jack Della Maddalena. Um, Della Maddalena, me and you are both very high on him. 3-0 uh, and last year in the UFC in his debut year. All first-round knockouts. Does Randy Brown have enough to stop this hype train? Because Randy Brown is on a good run. Four wins in a row. Six out of his last seven fights. He's won with three finishes. Um, I think the notable fight, though, that I have skipped over there was a loss to Vincente Luque. Uh, but that was when Vince- Vincente Luque was still the man and uh, was crushing fools. Um, Randy Brown... Quite a long, rangy striker. Extremely long. Yes. like he's Six foot three at welterweight. Massive. Absolutely massive. The issue I think that he has, though, is that Della Maddalena has got such an evolved striking game. Like, that is far superior can, to him in terms of his hands. Can you can you just highlight for the listeners what he's been able to achieve with those three knockouts? Like, what, what are his signatures? What, what makes him so special? Well, the fact of the body shots. A lot of body shots. The Ramazan... Ramazan Ami fight on the Teixeira Prohashka card where he just absolutely worked his body over and over again. He could see that Ami was struggling with the body shots so then just dug to the body over and over again. Used headshots to then open up the liver shot from there. Got the liver shot. Bit of ground and pound finish from there. And again, that's the thing that's so impressive about Madalena is that it is both stances. It is both styles. It is the fact that like, okay, the body's working. I'm just going to work to the body. I'm going to use the head to then get back to the body. Head's working for me? Great. Work the head. Multiple stances. Throwing multiple long looping combinations. Three, four, five shot combinations. Jabs at the end of combos. He starts and finishes combinations and exchanges. That is what's so impressive. I, I'm, I'm just coming straight out with it. Jack Della Madalena by knockout. That's, I'm just calling it right now. I think he's going to put an absolute whooping on Randy Brown. I think Randy Brown, that long torso, that's a beautiful target for Della Maddalena. He's going to be licking his lips at that. I'm on the train. I want Della Maddalena in the rankings. Give me some cracking fights with him this year. 
I think it's an excellent matchup, uh, to be honest with you, Joe. I think uh, you're doing Randy Brown a bit of a disservice in how emphatic you were about Dan Lavandelena, but I think that's more speaking to how yes. excited you are about about Jack rather than thinking that Randy Brown is poor. Randy Brown is good. He's hovering around just outside the rankings there. He did just kind of overcome a big test himself in Francesco Trinaldo. Mm. Uh, the UFC seemed to think he beat him in such fashion that they cut uh, Trinaldo, <laughs> even though we we know Francisco uh, Francisco would 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 hurt some of these boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for many many years to come, rock column that he is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Joe, I I, I want mean, it. I I want it too. It's a bit harsh as well it. that they cut him when it's just like he won his previous two fights. It's cra- It's crazy. It's it's uh, you know free free Francisco Trinaldo. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, but uh, what are you going for? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, I can't look past Madalena just because he's looked so good. Yeah, he's been so good, really just fluid, liquid water. Yeah, on the feet. And Randy Brown is not an accurate striker. No, he is a volume striker. That's not enough to get a man like uh, Madalena phase to make them change, change their approach. You need, you need the accuracy with the frequency, which is what Della Madalena has, and. I mean, I'm looking already up welterweight rankings. Ponzinibbio, Magni, you know, Michelle Pereja. These are the fights I want for Della Madalena. Well, let's the leech, get Randy Brown, the leech. Come on. I'll say though, Joe, I pick Madalena by by decision. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough indeed. Now, oh my days, get on the train because some big boys are coming on down the track. Justin Taffer versus Parker Porter. As Tom said before we started recording, jabronis. Um, Justin Taffer, um, kind of one of my most hated fighters in the UFC, Uh, Tom. I remember his fight against Carlos Felipe. That's right, I remember his fight against Carlos Felipe. Where they did the... You'll be in therapy therapy for years, (laughs) Tom. Repeating that same sentence. Well, they did the boxing thing of like putting their guard up and going arm to arm and then throwing from there. And it really annoyed me. It really annoyed me. It's just like, well, just go box. Like, if you want to do that nonsense, go box. Boxers do that, and they're great at it. Yeah, you're an MMA fighter. Throw, throw a bleeding leg kick. I would have been so angry if I was in his corner, mm. and he's not throwing a leg kick from that position. Yeah, you're not getting him up. Throw some, throw some trips. Get some elbows in there. Take a takedown. Yeah, block the body. Yeah, not 100%. this. Yeah, it's nonsense. And Parker Porter, I mean, <laughs> he just lost to the Anaconda Giant in Almeida, so maybe he's not too bad. But like Chase Sherman, Alan Bordeaux. Um, Josh Parisian who wins and a loss to Chris Dorcas. I mean there's a clear line in quality of Chris Dorcas and Jay Elton Amada from Chase Sherman um, you know he needs a, who's that other French bloke that you like who fights at heavyweight what's his name um, <laughs> Cyril Lasker That's what, if you had that on the record you'd be like perfect heavyweight jabroni record I mean yeah if you've got uh, Alan Bordeaux and Chase Sherman you're well on your way um, I think he's going to collect one more jabroni do you reckon? Porter here. I've picked him by, to win by decision. Yeah, I've gone by uh, Taffer by knockout. Um, just why not? It was, it was a real coin flip of like, all right, who have I got? Heads, Taffer, tails, Porter. Okay, Taffer, and then flip again. Knockout. Cheers, if I could, If I could pick just a win by slop, that would be... <laughs> well, that's what we're choice. getting anyway. Like, <laughs> that is what we're getting. <laughs> right, uh, and then opening the main card, he's back... Jimmy Crew is back. Uh, the man that... Uh, <laughs> well, I brought it up a, a 
couple of weeks ago when someone said Anthony Smith would take down Francis Ngannou and then uh, promptly was reminded of uh, Jimmy Crute taking down Anthony Smith with one leg. So, uh, yeah, he's back finally, Crute. Um, although he did face Jamal Hill, didn't he, um, after the, uh, the Smith fight. But he's taking a year off. He's back and he's facing your boy, Alonzo Menafield. Um Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's Menafield in it, you know. He's not facing his long-term nemesis, Devin Clark, this week. So, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. This, this, this fight does not move me at all. Uh, I think it's a chance now for Jimmy Crute to get things back on track. I think he can go further in, in the UFC. Just really unfortunate that that injury he had against Anthony Smith. Mm. Uh, no, yeah, it was yeah, against yeah. Anthony Smith, yeah, where, where it was called off after the first round. Um, yeah. Because the man couldn't walk. Despite uh, the ref saying walk, and then him hobbling, and then beating his chest, going, I can walk! <laughs> and the ref going like, no, you can't. Fight's off. <laughs> I mean, so some great moments already for Jimmy Crew. Um, <laughs> that's on top of a nice, nice couple of Kimura finishes. One against Paul Craig, and then mm. uh, Michal Oleksaychuk later on. These are not bad names on the record for Jimmy Crew. No. Whereas if we look over to Menafield... It's got Cyril Asker on though. (laughs) It's that kind of it's that territory. It's it's losing to Devin Clark. You know how I feel about that show. Yeah. Uh, Ovin Saint Pru, William Knight. Yeah, grim. And then your wins are Fabio Chiron, Ed Herman, Misha Misha Sokolov last time out. Who who you know he's he's credentialed. He's he's a good guy, but he's limited. He's succumbed. Yeah, well, he's just succumbed to these very athletic fighters, Johnny Walker. And Menafield is certainly an athlete. Yes, Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, Unfortunately for him, he's not much more. No, he's tough. He has a limited gas tank. Yeah, and I think Jimmy Crute is going to work him. Yeah, work him, take him to the mat, and I think he's going to sub him. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I have gone for Jimmy Crute by knockout. Um, I think something similar along the lines. Just going to tire him out, take him down, ground and pound from there. Fight gets called off. Um, yeah. yeah, we're not... We're not. I, I guess we're not seeing this first round, right? We're seeing... Second, second third. third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Crute will put that... So I think if Crute's going to be sensible with this, and I, he's going to ease himself back into the fight. I mean, into the fight game. For, you know... The Australian crowd's going to be hyped. They're going to see him. He's he's going to be fired up. But he should ease himself in. Obviously, don't take it too easily against Menafield. Get that first round under you, under your belt, and then get to work from there. That would be my coach's hat on, what I would want for Crute. That is the main card that we've gone through now, Tom. Is there anything on the prelims that's uh, calling out to you? I mean, we do like to have our featured prelim uh, slot, Joe. And last uh, numbered event, we ended up talking about the prelims a lot. It was exciting. There was a yeah, lot yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good prelims uh, in the end as well. They were fantastic. Now, I'm not seeing that this time out, unfortunately. But I do want to give a quick nod to Modestas Bukowska. Bukowska. <laughs> Almost said something pornographic there, but uh... <laughs> that's for the Patreon. <laughs> now, look. Modestas uh, 
good, honest fighter. Came out of Cage, Cage Warriors originally. God is breaking the UFC. Um, and then got broken in the UFC. Mm. Last time out, it was against Khalil Roundtree back in 2021. Yeah. Uh, that teep kick, which buckled his knee. Yeah. Really brutal, hard, hard watch. You know, where you teep just, just above the knee and it kind of folds in. Yeah. Uh, we're all talking about how dangerous it is. Uh, Bukowskas, I think he tore just about everything there is and, and it was called off yeah. uh, shortly after that. UFC went and did him a solid cut him mm. backstage after that life-changing injury. Yeah, uh, But credit to the man, he took some time out, he recovered. Just one year later, came back in Cage Warriors in London, got a win over Lee Chadwick. Yeah, and then won the vacant light heavyweight title in Cage Warriors. Excellent stuff. It Excellent. Knockout over Chuck Campbell. Uh, mm. Joe will tell you more about Chuck Campbell in a, in a later episode, <laughs> I'm sure. Article coming out anytime now. But the point is, he's back. He's worked his way back into the UFC. And so I wish him all the best. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's nice to see him back. And uh, he had a good run in Cage Warriors. A good run. Uh, the finish of Chuck Campbell was really quite impressive as well, that fourth round finish. He clearly won the first three rounds as well. Uh, but yeah, nice landing ground to go back to. He had previous in Cage Warriors as well. Um. And yeah, I think uh, it could maybe start to see him revitalised a bit. Any comment on his opponent, Joe Tyson Pedro? I mean, Tyson Pedro said he could go further. Yeah, I did dump on Tyson Pedro last time we talked about him, and I actually picked him to lose to Harry Hunsucker. Proved me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I don't have really much to say about Tyson Pedro. I've only ever been slightly disappointed with him even in victory do you know what I mean like I'm just like yeah alright whatever like, it's, cutting it's, words it's just like a, a father damning a <laughs> never, never good enough okay uh, can I give you my guy triggering some listeners out there yeah please tell us about your picked your featured prelim well there's a prelim that I'm interested in uh, featherweight uh, Joshua Koulibau, um Australian fighting in featherweight he's facing off against Mel Sick uh, Bagadasarian I hope I said that correctly uh, I'm going to shout out Melsic here Your man looks vicious I like the look of this guy I went through um, A couple of his fights Some of his highlights This this man He loves cutting people up with elbows Tom Let me tell you He is vicious I saw his contender series fight Where he rocked his opponent And then proceeded to throw Five left elbows from the clinch it was absolutely brilliant. I really like the look of this guy. Vicious body kicks as well. He's got a couple body kick finishes in kickboxing as well. And um, and even in one of his kickboxing fights, sent his opponent through the ropes in a knockout finish. I like the look of this, just based off of that. Could be some fun slop if it is um, if it uh, turns out poorly. But, you know, I like the look of this guy. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the, the one that sort of stood out for me. Also, nice to see Jamie Malarkey as well back. He always brings the fun. And I also want to shout out very quickly, Blake Builder against Shane Young. Builder looks quite a confident young man, I must say. Good finishes on the regional scene from there. Um, I think all of his fights... No, his last three fights, sorry, have all been... Last four fights have all been finishes. Uh, three by submission, one by knockout. And he says that kickboxing is his preferred method of victory. So it tells you something about his well-rounded game. Against Shane Young, good test to debut in, in the uh, UFC. 
Right, Joe, uh, let's move on to the news. Oof, there is some news, my word. Now, 1 to 10. Yeah. On the hype scale. Yeah. The Ultimate Fighter, <laughs> it's Chandler versus Connor. You couldn't write it, you couldn't script it, uh, although you'd love to. Yeah. Are you excited about this? There's a part of me that says I'm going to watch every episode. And then I know it's going to come out. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm just not going to watch it. I'm excited to see if they start doing trash talk. I mean, apparently Chandler wasn't the first choice. Uh, do you want to take a guess at who the first choice was, Tom? Well, I know Tony Ferguson was rumoured to be in there. That was <laughs> uh... No, Tony rumoured himself to be in there. I don't think Tony was ever the first choice. Um, I, I can't imagine. For me, I can't imagine a better matchup than Chandler. Nate Diaz. Is who they oh, wanted to no. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. But yeah, Michael Chandler, I think it's perfect. The all American cornball, I'm just there to win. I love that as well. And Chandler talked about it where he's like, you know, first I'm going to win the ultimate fighter and then I'm going to go out there and then I'm going to beat Connor. And it's just like, ah, oh, Michael, you absolute nerd. I love you. Uh, <laughs> uh, really like that. And it'll be interesting to see what Connor is like in there. I mean, this is. You know, Connor's equivalent of power slap, isn't it? Of just like I'm just going to get myself out there and improve my uh, my PR, my public relations. You know, get the public back on my side. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you think he's going to come out well over this? Are you interested in the Ultimate Fighter now because of this? I mean, these are interesting questions. I I detest uh, what Connor McGregor has become. Uh, I de- detest what the UFC has done in following him. Down, down that mucky path. Yeah, uh, they're like two egging each other on, <laughs> like sinking, sinking to greater depravities. Um, I do find all of the kind of manufactured trash talk a little bit corny. All the beef, it's a, a little bit much for me. But, the pushing you know, and the beef, shoving. Yeah, but they are big personalities, you know. And I, I'd, I'd certainly love to watch Michael Chandler fight. I, of course, I'm going to watch Conor McGregor fight too. So there is that element to it. Um, yeah, maybe I would try watching the first episode. Okay. Yeah, let's see what it's like. See what the. I mean, I'm a, like. I'm a seven. I'm a seven. Let's say, Joe. Um, I'm at six. I haven't I haven't registered uh, Ultimate Fighter in in many years, so that says something. Okay, fair enough. Um, apparently, the fight will take place in about September. That's that's what they're aiming for, September, and most likely at welterweight. <laughs> Even with seven months, Connor can't make one fifty-five anymore. Um, Chandler has said that he, when he called Connor out, he when he said, "I want you at your your biggest and your baddest," that meant one seventy. Um, I mean, initial gut reaction: Chandler McGregor welterweight main event. Who are you having? Connor. Yeah, same. Feels dirty saying it, Joe. If Chandler, what else do we have on I, I can't, I can't, I can't. You know what? Give Let's... this man more airtime. Right. I can't do it. Well, Kevin Lee resigns. Sucker me in. Kevin Lee resigns to the UFC. I think we gave Kevin Lee too much airtime. Well, I just want to put that in contrast to Cedric Dumbe, who is a uh, glory kickboxing uh, fighter, fought at middleweight. Uh, he was supposed to sign with the UFC. He was supposed to fight at UFC Paris last year, but the Paris Commission um, cancelled his fight as he had, didn't have enough experience compared to his opponent. They then tried to rebook him for earlier this year. And subsequently, Dunbay has said 
Now, he may not be signing for the UFC, but for Bellator, this is quotes translated from French, so excuse for any uh, translation errors. Um, errors. Did you, you learn French just for this episode? Uh, <laughs> is, that, well, is that how Mansoir Barnoui and learning French. That's what I've done for this episode, Tom. No, uh, Dumbay said, the UFC is good, but in real life, Bellator offers me a sick sum. The UFC is more media, but we take risks for our health. It's not the UFC that fills the fridge. Now, this also comes um, along with what Ryan Bader said about his pay for the Fedor fight, where it had been reported um, Bader earned 150000 for that fight, uh, to which Bader said it's not even close and what he earned was three times more than what he earned at his highest in the UFC. Um, I wonder, is this just a further sign of the UFC not really caring about signing top quality fights anymore? They've let Dumbe go. They've let Soldich go as well. He went to one. Didn't really bid too hard for him. Do you think they're just happy to fill up half the cards with contender series fighters fighting for 10 and 10? And then they're middle of the pack guys filling out the rest? We see it. We yeah. have to call it like we see it. Last weekend was a- absolute garbage. <laughs> this this card, as it is, is not very deep. How do, how do they, they not have Robert Whittaker on, on the card in Australia? How do they not they pay just, Paolo Costa? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would be... I mean, that would be amazing. That would transform the appearance of the card. Costa and Whittaker. <sighs> oh, oh, my and then, Lord. And then you have Madalena Brown and then Crook Menefield. That's, an, that's a good card. Yeah. Taffa Porter, get the hell out of my face. I'm not even watching you when you're on your prelims anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's just dreadful. Yeah, I mean, it's, an, it's another nail in the comment. It continues our theme of the year, which is the UK is... The UK? Well, yes, the UK <laughs> is sinking. Yes. Uh, as fast as the UFC, which is a terrible place to be. Yeah. Uh, I, there is, I've got a bigger sort of opinion piece that I'm kind of working on at the moment. But I do see a lot of parallels between the UFC and the WWE of like their grabs for mainstream attention and what that actually does to their fandom you know the fans of it don't they, you know i'm a pro wrestling fan as well i was a long time wwe fan and i haven't watched it for years because like <laughs> i just i want what you've got to offer i don't want the other stuff you know i want you know robert Whittaker versus paolo costa do you know what I mean? I, d- yeah. I, I want pro wrestling. I don't want goofy nonsense with celebrities. You know, that, that's, that's the issue that I have. Anyway, there's a bigger th- piece and thought process that goes into it. Uh, Tom, have you got something else you want to add? No, Joe, no. I, th- I, I think that is a discussion we're going to continue with uh, throughout the year, the way yes. it looks. It's going to keep evolving. Um, now, any news you want to bring us? Yes. Chris Weidman has announced he's coming back in June. Oh god! And he says he wants to make one last run for the title. Oh, and then I have one comment after please that, which stop. just says, "LOL." Um, please, let's... please stop, Joe. Please stop. It's I mean, sad, isn't it? Weidman, I think he's had a, he's got a place in the sport. He's uh, had a great career. Yeah, he seems to be likable enough. Seems to be, you know, reasonable yeah. integrity. And uh, it's it's a shame, you know. Someone have a little word in his ear. There must be more opportunities for him in in broadcasting or or in something that isn't related to actually fighting. So, please, yeah. please stop. Please yeah, stop. No. no more. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. Because as a broadcaster, I think he's got really good insight. Like that's, that's the sort of guy the UFC should be trying to get on commentary and on the desk and on analysis and that sort of thing. 
Anyway, my last bit of news is that Jorge Masvidal has uh, announced he's doing a boxing show. This is on April 1st, I believe. And this is not an April Fool's joke. It's not an early one. Um, two things about this I want to bring up is the card itself, which I'll bring up in a second because we can have a nice old laugh at that. But um, it's the fact it's he's promoting this and it's one week before his fight with Gilbert Burns. Is there any sign for you which is like, maybe this guy isn't that bothered about the Gilbert Burns fight and just kind of needs some money because he hasn't fought in 13 months and he's got a potential lawsuit with Colby Covington on his hands? I'm picking Burns, Joe. That's what this <laughs> uh, I mean, we knew that anyway. But yeah. Strange. It seems to make sense for, for Jorge to be a promoter. Not not surprised by that yeah. news. I think he or- doesn't he already have some low-level... bare-knuckle MMA? MMA promotion, yeah, that he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does. Um, apparently, this is his fourth boxing card that he's put on as well. So, you know, if he's got his um, financial supporters for this and he's able to make a bit of money off of it, good for him. Here is the card, and I'll uh, just talk about the significant ones. You've got Paul Daly against Anthony Taylor. Uh, Semtex is back. Love Paul Daly. Then you didn't, got. Didn't realize he, I didn't realize he'd been cut. <laughs> what? Paul Daly? He's retired. Yeah. He retired oh. in Bellator, yeah. Ledge. Ledge of the scene. All-time great of the UK MMA scene. Love Paul Daly. You've got the rematch that we've all been waiting for. That's right. Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. Uh, you've also... Oh. You've also... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. okay. Then you've got Vitor Belfort versus Jacare Souza in your co-main event. Yeah. These are some names, Joe. Yeah, these are names. Big names. Wow. Yeah. Not bad, eh? Is, is this the... Uh... Like right wing Brazilian retirement <laughs> in in Florida. Is this just like... this is the pension fund? Yeah, that they all sign up for. Well, in the main event, that's your co-main event, Belfort versus Jacare. In the main event, Anthony. Wait, sorry, let me stop you. Let me yeah. stop. You. Let me stop you. The main event is not Jose Aldo. No, the main event is Anthony Showtime Pettis, and these are all pro fights. They're not exhibition fights. All going to be six rounds, and the main event I believe will be ten rounds. Anthony Showtime Pettis versus Roy Jones Jr. Uh, in a pro boxing match. What a freak show <laughs> in the world that is. Um, wow, that's insane. Go on. But it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'd watch. It's, I'd it's, watch. It's insane. I can, Joe, at no point in my life have I ever thought that Anthony Pettis and Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> at some point going to square off in professional competition. Credit to Jorge because these are huge names. I can't say I'm definitely going to tune in. Mm. Uh, but I'll watch it. I'll watch it the day after. He's built a, a big book of fighters, that's for sure. Absolutely. Also, that card, uh, which is UFC, is it 287, uh, which is where Jorge will be uh, serving in the co-main against Gilbert Burns, main event Israel Adesanya tries to exact revenge against Alex Pereja. That has been officially announced with Miami. Second time the UFC have gone to Miami. Pretty obvious why they're going uh, this time to um, Miami, don't you think, Tom? I believe so, Joe. I think you're you're referencing the Hispanic community and uh, and Masvidal. Yes, um, <laughs> I don't think it takes too much to put those two things together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what? When was the last time they went to Miami, Tom? What year? Twenty twenty one. No, is it not? Was it not? Sorry, it was. That was Jacksonville. Uh, ah, ah, okay, okay. No, I, I, I don't know. 
They last went there in 2003. Wow. Jorge Masvidal said he was in the crowd for this uh, for this uh, card. And apparently, um, they didn't go back because they sold so poorly. 6,700 seats, a ticket sold in a 15,000 seat arena. Not very good. Here is your main event. Matt Hughes defended his title against Sean Shirk. Pete Spratt defeated Robbie Lawler. Dave Strasser defeated uh, Romy Aram. Uh, Wesley Correja has defeated Sean Alvarez. Rich Franklin defeated Evan Tanner. And get a load of this one. Dwayne Ludwig defeated Genki Sudo in the opening fight of the card. UFC 42. Some, some OGs in there. OG shit indeed. Right, listeners, we'll go through the main card again for UFC 283. And our predictions this time going from the bottom to the top. Uh, Jimmy Crute versus Alondo Menefield. I've gone for Crute by knockout. It's a Crute Kimura uh, or necktie <laughs> for me. Submission. Um, Justin Taffer versus Parker Porter. I've gone for Taffer by knockout. I picked Slop. Porter by Slop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a decision. Decision win. Randy Brown versus uh, Jack Della Maddalena. I've gone for Della Maddalena by knockout. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I'm, I, as soon as I uttered the word decision, I will start regretting it. I've picked Madalena by decision, though. Yep, fair enough. In your co-main event for the interim featherweight title, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett. I've gone for Josh Emmett by decision. Yair, knockout, no regrets. Wow. No regrets about that one. No regrets. Let's go, baby. And in the main event... Vamos. And in the main event, uh, Islam Makachev uh, versus... Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky for the lightweight title. We have both gone for Makachev by submission. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. You can contact us at holdonbrother69 at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, spread the words. And uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next week to break down the results of this card. Thank you so much. And good good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.